Garland shared with us that passage from Philippians. And uh, it's those passages right there that are so beautiful and amazing to me. I want to look at one tonight in Ephesians chapter 1. So I ask that you get your Bible out and follow along, Ephesians chapter 1. And what we see here in Ephesians 1 is that Christ is the means of every spiritual blessing. And now when we read here in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, we're going to read spiritual blessing. And as I read the text, and you tell me what your thoughts on it later, but what I'm, I'm reading here is these spiritual blessings appear to be those of God's Holy Spirit. And I think we would say that's implicit, but is that what the passage is referring to? It's something to think about. Another thing that stands out, and it's been noted a lot in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 3 through 14, is that all these blessings are in Christ. And as you read through there, you see in Him and in Christ. And you see the term there and the wording there of being predestined. That those who are in Christ are predestined. Christians uh, are predestined. We get that, this amazing picture here, and it's very rich because you know how Paul does that. He can say a whole bunch and a few words. And it's packed in there, and it's rich. So when we look at tonight here, and within our text in Ephesians 1, as, and we can ask the question is, why has God elected and chosen His people? And then it says here, He's elected and chosen them before the creation of the world. Now, some people have taken that to mean individually He has done that. I take it as meaning all those that are in Christ have been elected and chosen and have been thus predestined before the creation and the foundation of the world. And God does all these things. Another thing that stands out here in this text, is we, I'm going to read through it in a minute, is that why does God do what He does? We looked at that a little bit when we had a study on Romans chapter 9, got in depth in God's election and how He does what He does for His own glory and purpose. And what you see here in Ephesians 1 is an echo of that. And so this is written by Paul after Romans. And there's some things in here I see Paul as taking this as, as the Ephesians would have already been familiar with the text of Romans. And they're being given more. And there's great things here. So what's emphasized here is that God does all these things. and gives all these blessings. And He does everything that we're going to read right here according to His plan. God has a plan and a system, a way of salvation. He set it up. It's His plan. Another thing we see here is all according to His purpose. It's by His purpose, by His will that He does these things. And what I find... the the most encouraging and fascinating point that's made three times here in the text is that He gives us all these blessings and He gives us all these wonderful things and He gives them to us in Jesus Christ. For what reason? For His praise. And that tells me something. I need to understand God's blessings. Why? Because they help me to worship. They help me to praise Him. To thank Him. And it's an it's amazing um, idea right here in these concepts. All right, let's start right here. We're going to go through and make comments along the way and give my observations as we go as a part of the exposition. So, 3 through 14. And now look at verse 3. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Does anything strike you a little odd right there? He says, blessed be the God and Father. Well, how is God 
blessed. Wouldn't he be the one doing the blessing? So some have taken this to mean that Paul is saying we need to be blessing in the sense of thanking God and praising him. I can definitely see that here. But one of the commentators I was reading, he was saying that God has thus blessed himself and what he has done, that he has an elect and select and chosen people. And we're those people. And in other words, God has done this because it pleases him to, because it makes him happy and it, and it gives him great joy in it. And we would expect that the demonstration of God's love and all these blessings. He wants his people and he wants a people in which he could just pour out his love upon. This is not the only place in Scripture in the New Testament that we read about this bless, blessing upon God. And I think it's an interesting idea. You'll find it in two other places, one from Paul and one from Peter. The other place is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. So Paul has said this before, earlier, and he gives a description there. And we can go and we'll look at that another time. And then we got a statement here from Peter in 1 Peter, where he also says, blessed is God. So just something very deep there, just something to think about if you've never thought about it before. All right, let's keep going here and look at verse 4 and following. So he's given us all these spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him. Now, you've got to note that in here. You know, the, the perspective that we are individually predestined seems to ignore that all of us who are chosen were chosen because we're in Christ. And it is by Christ that all these blessings come. And that's an amazing thing. But notice that as we go through here, even as he chose us or elected us in him. It is those who are in Christ that are elected before the foundation of the world. This is God's plan. He had it all in mind. And I love these because we got these descriptions throughout here in Ephesians where, where Paul is, is saying he already had this planned out. It's for the fullness of time. He had it planned out before the world began just to give you and set you in a state of awe. You know, this wasn't something that God said, well, I created everything. Maybe I should send a Savior and save a people and him have a body a community of people known as the church who are faithful in him this is no afterthought this is a part of god's eternal plan and we're a part of that we're a part of something great and eternal that extends before the world was created and then we keep reading here he says that we should be holy and blameless in other words that we should be like him and without sin and it says before him and that can only be accomplished in christ and then he says in love we, we again see the motivation of God here. It's love. By love, He predestined us. He predestined us. He predestined uh, those of us that are in Christ for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. And so again, God is saying, it's my will, my choice, my purpose, and I have chosen uh, my children for adoption. And we read other references in the scripture about the adoption, and a lot of times it's connected with the resurrection. So we are adopted as children into God's family, and we're given these heirs, of these, um, we're, as heirs, we're given these great blessings and inheritance that's mentioned here in other places in scripture. We read it in Romans, read it in Galatians. All right, let's keep reading here. Look at verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace. It's, it's for us to praise God, to worship him. That we have reason to because of the grace of God. It's given to us by grace, by His favor. It's a gift. And notice the description here. There's an adjective. It's glorious. It's amazing. And, and when we read this, this section of Ephesians, we should be reading these things and saying, okay, God did all these things, and it should be glorious to us. 
It should be amazing to us. We should be standing in awe of what God has done. And it says, with which, that is his grace, he has blessed us in the beloved. Clearly referencing Christ. Now notice again, look at verse 7. He begins again. He says, in him. In him. In Christ. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness, the release uh, of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So now he's explaining it more. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. He died for us. We're released from our sins. This is the riches and the wealth of everything that he's given us. Look at verse 8, which he has lavished upon us. He has poured out upon us. He has given us an abundance. Is the idea of lavish there. He's given us an abundance. And then it says, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. And so along with God's blessings comes the fact that we get to know his word. We get to know this mystery that has been hidden, and now it has been revealed to us. That's an amazing thing to think about. And again, notice the emphasis here. Paul says, according to what? His purpose. It's his intention. He wanted to do this from the beginning. This is all part of the plan, which he set forth that says, in Christ. There again, in Christ, in Him. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time. As a plan for the fullness of time. You know, some have looked at these passages that you read about and have and, and asked the question, why was it that Jesus came 2,000 years ago? And some have said, as they're looking at this, what about the you know, 5,000 years before that? From the creation to the time of Christ. Why wait all that time? It just, and some have thought, you know, it sounds like and it appears like he's waited to the, to the end to do this. But the scripture says in the fullness of time. Well, think about this. Some have said, and I've heard this statement, and you know, I haven't done the math. You can do the math. But that about 2 to 5% of the history of the world's population of humanity lived before Christ. And then the exponential growth of the human population happened after Christ. So now you're talking about 95% of the population of all of humanity. So now we kind of put it in perspective in that way. And yeah, it makes sense. I, I can see the fullness of time. And I see God's redemptive plan. And I can see Him waiting at a moment in time of which God would enter into the world. Where He would become as a bondservant. Where He'd come into the flesh for our benefit. So again, look at verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time. God had already set it out. And then I noticed this as well. He says to unite all things, and there's the phrase again, in Him. Unite what in Him or by Christ? What is being united? Well, notice this, the, the phrase right after that. To unite all things in Him, things on heaven and things on earth. Now, I know our translations say in heaven, And that's the way it sounds right. But the Greek actually says on heaven and on earth. What things? He's not talking about people right here. He's talking about the things, the blessings. And and I think this is very curious because here God has a plan to unite the blessings, the heavenly blessings that we just read about in verse 3 at the very beginning with the things on earth. That all things are going to come together. And that this is God's plan. And I think the best way to picture that is the resurrection. is the body resurrected and putting on the heavenly form. And the blessings that come about through that. So it's all a culmination. All right, look at verses 11 through 14. Notice it again. In Him. There it is. In Him. We have obtained an inheritance. So now He is talking about eternity. 
He is giving us a picture of what's being united with, um, with things on heaven and on earth. They're being united in the, in the inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance, having been, again, predestined according to the, his, the purpose of Him. Notice the word purpose again, third time. Who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Now I'm going to slow down a minute. Because, you know, you read over these things, it's like, oh, that sounds amazing. And you just fly right over them. But every single part of this is so rich. And so, again, look at verse 12. You see the same phrase, a similar phrase, to the praise of His glory that we saw in verse 6, right? And then we're going to see it again in verse 14. Why is God doing this? Why has He blessed His people? Why has He chosen people in Christ and given them all these blessings and a wonderful inheritance and all these things He's doing through Jesus Christ? It's for His praise. It's for His praise. And that's for our own good. You know, I, some people who don't want to understand God would say, well, why is it that God would do these things just for him, his own praise? You know, if I just, if we did things just for our own praise, we'd say, well, that person's kind of conceited and self-centered and they're focused on the wrong thing. There's nothing wrong at all in this, in our creator doing that, because he created and brought all things into existence. We're made in his likeness, and by worshiping our, crea- our creator, we're only increasing our own value and recognizing our own worth before him. So we want to worship Him. We want to praise Him. All right, look at the last two verses. Look at verse 13. In Him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that tonight um, as as the second half of our study. But we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And verse 14 says, Who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Again, this is all God's plan. To the praise of His glory, that we receive an, an internal inheritance. And when you heard the gospel, notice that, and you believe the gospel, and then you're what? Sealed by the Holy Spirit. And when are we sealed by the Holy Spirit and receive the guarantee of it? Well, you, you should know, as we've mentioned numerous times lately, when you're baptized under Christ, when you're washed in His name, you receive the blessings of the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, as we look at that, a very rich text there. There's a lot there, isn't there? I mean, you look at this, but you also see the things that are repeated. God's purpose, His plan, to the praise of His glory, and that it's for those who are elect and predestined, who are in Christ. Who are in Christ, and it's by Him. I was looking over this text, and I was thinking about this. this you know, Paul does this. He gets into these these deep details of here are blessings and he gives them the theology and atonement and who God is. And he does this at the beginning of his text. So at the, at the latter end of it, you've got like all the force behind it. You got all the, the worship and the glory and the awe of God that propels and puts, um, it, it puts that love and care and that, that thoughtfulness and faith in our creator that helps us to live a righteous and holy life. All right, so as we have thought about these things, we see all God's blessings. We see the cause of it. We see the purpose of it. We see that these things are to help us in giving thanks to God to worship Him. And if you just read over this and think, well, those are a lot of, you know, um, flattering words about God. It's more than that, and it's there to help you to worship Him, to live a faithful life. In fact, I want you to notice 
I'm not going to read the whole thing, but look right here, right after that. So Paul gives us the whole picture. So if you know all this, what's the proper response? Ephesians 1 and verse 15 is the proper response. Paul says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And he says, I know that you're saved and I know God's plan and I know all the blessings that are in him. So you know what I do? I thank God for you and I pray for you. And that's what Christians should be doing. We should be thanking God. Whenever we hear someone who's come to salvation and we hear, if I hear of a new church that's been planted, that gets me excited. I love to hear about new churches and I love to hear about the growth of churches and to hear of numerous, numerous baptisms. Those people now have the blessings of God. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. And every time I hear about a baptism, I get excited and I love to see them. It's all of that is to be an encouragement to us. And all of this is to help us in worship. I want to read verse 17 and 18. And then um, I want to share with you some thoughts here about the seal and guarantee of the Holy Spirit. All right. 17 and 18. It says, Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Now, you know, from what we read here, they already have the Holy Spirit, but he says he wants them to continue to increase in wisdom and in knowledge. That is in, the, in Revelation. Verse 18, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, and what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And he continues on. It's, it's amazing here. We're getting that picture and the blessing and how it drives Paul's thinking and how it is to compel us to worship God. Now, connected to that is our response. There's a fascinating passage over here, and we look at the idea and the concept of the Holy Spirit as, a, as the seal, He is, and the guarantee of our salvation. Now, think about that. How is it that that is to comfort me? All right? That the Holy Spirit is that seal and guarantee. You know, I, I, I read the passage that when I was baptized, I received the Holy Spirit. But is there more to it? I want you to notice this. Galatians 4 and verse 6. Galatians 4 and verse 6 is this. And it's talking about the same thing. Paul's talking about something very, very much aligned with this. And then I want to go over to Romans and look at that as another similar passage. But Galatians 4 6 is this. And because you are sons, you're the sons of God. This is part of that plan is the inheritance that you're an heir. You're sons of God. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And I think that's a fascinating thing because you have these passages of scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit dwelling within our hearts. And what's, what is he doing within our hearts? Well, this passage says he has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Is that true? In your heart? Does the Holy Spirit cry out, Abba, Father? And so I think about these, these things, and that excites me because I know, it's like, I call out to God as my Father, and I pray to Him. And I know the Holy Spirit dwells within my heart. And that's an amazing thing to think about. I want you to look at this as well. It's not just that the Holy Spirit cries out, Abba, Father, but over in Romans chapter 8, we have some other details in regards to 
the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in this. In fact, I'm going to start in verse 14. He says, Romans 8, 14, he says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Okay, if I'm led by the Holy Spirit, I'm a son of God. That's what I want to be. I've been baptized in Christ. Verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Not the, not the, the, the thinking in the spirit of this world, which is always fearful of death. He says, But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the Spirit cries within our heart, Abba, Father. And here he says that we, as Christians, cry out, Abba, Father. And I think that's one thing to think about is, do I do that? And if I do that, then I know the whole, He is dwelling upon my heart because I call out to God. And I desire to know Him. And I claim Him as my Father. Look at verse 16 and 17. The Spirit Himself bears witness. You know, in reading this text, I would think, you know, there are passages that says the Holy Spirit bears witness and there's a quotation of Scripture. And I would think of it outside of my heart. But in this context, and when I read in Galatians and when I read right here, I'm thinking within my heart, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so I have an affirmation. This is often called the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit that I know that I know the truth of the gospel. I know who my Father is, I know who God is, that He lives, I know Christ, and I, I know that His Spirit dwells within me, and this gives me greater confidence, and it's, a, it's another assurance of salvation. So the Spirit Himself bears witness with, with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, notice that again, the connection of children and sons, we're heirs, we're good, receiving these blessings, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So we suffer unto death, but we'll be glorified in the resurrection. Amazing things to think about when you read these passages about the Holy Spirit. I want to note a few more before we conclude tonight, but I want you to notice this. Romans 5.5 5 says that God has poured His love into our hearts. And that makes a lot more sense when I'm reading these other passages. And so I cry out to Him, and I love Him, and I want to follow Him, and I know that His Spirit lives within me. And then, you know, just knowing that and having the Holy Spirit then the cry, crying out, Abba, Father, I'm also strengthened by it. You notice this in Ephesians, back to Ephesians, chapter 3, and verse 16, that Paul is praying and he says that we are strengthened within in our inner person by the Holy Spirit. Well, that's an amazing thought to think about. And furthermore... Knowing that we cry out, Abba, Father, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us, His love has been poured out within us, and we're strengthened from within, we get to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We read passages like Galatians chapter 5. We go through and we look at those amazing attributes and blessings that are in our life by the work of God's Spirit. So when I come back to Ephesians chapter 1, and I read about those spiritual blessings, and I read about the Holy Spirit being a guarantee and a seal Yes, He is. He dwells within my heart, and I thank God for that. And I know whom I believed, who I trust, and who I rely upon. And I think it's amazing. As I'm thinking, and I was reading through this passage, I, I think about this, and I think about why would God show this kind of favor and grace and make us an adopted sons? Why would He do this? And I think about why would a father give so many wonderful things to his children. 
And we got the answer. You probably popped in your head right then. Well, he, well, he loves them. Well, why else? And then he, the other thing is, is we're his children, and children rely on their father. They have to. And I think that's an important message for us tonight. We want these blessings. It means I've got to rely and trust in the Heavenly Father. All these things are great and wonderful. Lastly, I think a good conclusion tonight as we've seen salvation and all the blessings are in Christ and in Him is in Galatians chapter 3. The simple question is, uh, how do I get in Christ? How are those blessings in Christ? And if you've been in, uh, baptized into Christ's church, you already know the answer to this, but you've got to read it again with everything we've talked about tonight. Galatians chapter 3. 25 to 27. Galatians 3, 25 to 27. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We're not under law. He says, for in Christ Jesus, in Him, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So I have faith, and I become a son of God when I'm in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 27. For as many of you for as many of you, as many of you are sons of God, why? Because you were baptized into Christ and I've put on Christ. And that should be an encouragement as well tonight. We think about the work of God, we see His great blessings, all of these things should cause us to stand in awe of Him, worship Him, and for all of it to be to the praise of His glory. Tonight, if you need to obey the gospel and put Him on in, in baptism, you can. You can have all the blessings in Christ. You need prayers and encouragement. We encourage you to come now. Let's sing together.